Welcome to the ARPA Animal Rescue of the Week podcast, featuring outstanding organizations around the country that are helping animals and the people who rescue them. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Dubert.com. Dubert is a free website designed to connect volunteers with rescues and shelters, and the only site that automates rescue relay transport. Let's meet this week's featured animal rescue. The Hearts Alive Village in Las Vegas understands the powerful connection between people and pets. They have a variety of support programs that help the pet owners keep their pets whenever possible. They work with several groups to ensure the animals are cared for and loved so they don't enter the shelter system, and educating the next generation is an important aspect of what they do for their community. Their mission is a simple one, to secure loving and stable homes for dogs and cats at risk of being lost in the shelter system. Hey Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to connect with you and and learn a little bit more about Hearts Alive Village uh, in Las Vegas. So why don't you start us off with um, where you guys are located in Vegas and maybe what your history is. So we are pretty central to Las Vegas. Um, We're off Rainbow and Oki, if that means anything to your listeners. Um, But it's kind of just the middle of everything and it's, it's a perfect location for us. Um, We have the coolest origin story I personally think ever. Uh, about, I would say about five, six years ago now, our founder, her name is Christy Stevens, her daughter had to write an assignment for English class. And she was about 10 years old at the time. And the assignment was, if I had one wish. So Kendall is her name. She actually talked about, if she had one wish, she would start an animal rescue, everything from dogs and cats to pigs and cows. I and love it. she, oh, it was so cute. Um, and she would call it Hearts Alive Village, Las Vegas. And at the end of the year, Christy got to see her journal entry. And they had been volunteering for a while with other organizations, so she was, you know, pretty, pretty used to being in the animal rescue world. And when she saw the journal entry, she said to Kendall, "You know, is this true? Is this really what your your dream is?" And Kendall said, "Yes, but I know it's going to be too hard." And Christy, like she said, just, you know, her mama heart just broke. Yeah. And she said, I, I don't want my daughter growing up thinking that dreams are too hard. And she started the rescue and we're, we're a couple of pigs and cows short of her dream, but we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love everything about that. She's so <laughs> she's thinking so big. Yeah. Um and coming from a, a large city like like Las Vegas, um, you know, might have some challenges with the cows and pigs. Um, but I love that that's a dream, right? And that's yeah. as adults we we lose that a little bit, right? And so I love that they were that she was able to to take that and turn it into something. So how long did that take from when she read the journal entry to making it a reality. And tell us a little bit about that process. So she actually got started fairly quickly, um, but she didn't start with rescue. Um, Part of the issue that we have here in Las Vegas, and I would imagine everywhere, is um, income. Uh, There are a lot of people that have pets and, you know, either the job market was rough or um, you know, what is the statistics? Everybody's like one or two paychecks away from being homeless. I mean, there's some crazy statistic out there. Sure. And so she realized that one of the problems we're having is 
people don't actually want to surrender their animals to the shelter. They just don't see another option. Sure. So that was the first step was actually creating, it's called Kendall's Cupboard. And um, having resources for people that want to keep their animals because it's a part, you know, they're a part of the family, but they maybe can't afford them. And we started out with, you know, food and sometimes it was just a crate. I, these really simple things that would keep the animals out of the shelter. Um, and, you know, ultimately make everybody's job easier because if they don't go through the whole system, obviously it's much better for the animal, but that saves everybody's work from the shelter to the rescue. I definitely agree with that. So you guys didn't actually start as a rescue. You started more of like a food and pantry supply organization. Is that right? It was kind of the first step. And I know Christy had the idea um, of bringing it into a rescue very quickly. She just didn't know how to do it yet. Sure. Um, and she actually ended up renting an apartment and, or it might've been a house. I, I was not around at this time yet. Um, but she actually ended up renting a space and sleeping there with the first two rescue dogs that we had. The wow. first dogs we ever pulled she stayed in a separate place with them because she's, of course, got her own dogs and, you know, some of them can't be mixed. And um, she stayed there and that was kind of the beginning to our rescue. And it's just exploded from there. Yeah, it really only takes one or two animals, right, to kind of steal your heart and, and really dive into this crazy world of, of animal welfare. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's usually how the stories go, right? It's It's one or two and then it just takes off from there. So that started a long road, right? A long process. And so here you guys are five years later, approximately. Um, and how many animals have you guys saved to date? We are just shy of 2000. And considering that kitten season is starting, um, we will be over that very quickly. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. 2005 years. Um, wow. Very cool. And you guys actually have a, a location as well. So are you are you a rescue or are you a shelter? We are a rescue. Okay. Um, we have one location, and actually that's some of our cool news that's coming up. Um, we opened our adoption center and a pet supply store about, I think we're going on three years now. Okay. And um, that, the goal, there were two goals there. Uh, one was to have a place to, three goals. <laughs> Maybe more, as I think. Um, one was to have a place for the cats to be. Because before that, they were in foster homes, and it was hard to get them seen and adopted. Sure. Um, so we wanted to have a place that the cats could be, you know, 24-7, and people could come and, and meet them. And um, I like to call that our free-range cat room, because uh, we have a cat cottage. And there's maybe 10 to 12 at a time. And it's just a big room that you can actually go in and sit down and the cats just roam around. They're not in any cages or crates or anything. Um, and it's a great place for people to come meet them. So our cat adoption skyrocketed after that. Um, it really, really was great for that. Um, we also wanted to have a place for people to come and meet the dogs who again are in foster homes. So a little bit easier with adoption events. But um, to have them actually there and they can come and meet them and, you know, bring, if they already have an animal, bring them to introduce. 
Um, so that was a huge thing. And then the third part, and this is a big part of our organization, is we opened the pet supply store because we want to be self-sustaining. Um, anybody that is in animal rescue or really any nonprofit can tell you it gets really old begging for money. I, no matter how, you know, how much you believe in your mission, and we all do, it's still, it still, it weighs on you a little bit constantly walking around, you know, asking, like, please help us, please help us, we're in dire need, please help us, like, um, so this is, everything we do has that uh, notion of self-sustainability in it, and that aspect, um, so that eventually, you know, we're, we're not only providing the service of taking care of the animals, but we're also providing a product or some sort of service that the community needs and will pay for. Yeah, I so I love all three aspects of that. Um, very innovative, really outside the box. I don't know who came up with that, but I think it's it's brilliant, right? I think the interactiveness of a cat cottage, right, in your mm -hmm. adoption center is really awesome. Um, not having them in, in cages, right, and having them in their natural habitat, right, mm -hmm. and surrounded by other cats and people I think is really, really cool. You mentioned the dogs, um, obviously in foster homes. And so what do they, what happens there? Do the foster home parents bring them in for a day? Do they have, how does that schedule work? Do they just pop in whenever they want? You know, that was the original goal. And, you know, sometimes plans change. Uh, we, <laughs> we had intended to have them, you know, really drop the dog off during the day, you know, head to work, drop the dog off on the way, pick them up on the way back. Um, logistically, that did not work out as planned. Sure. Um, yeah, I so, can see some challenges within that. Yeah, I mean, people are busy. I, for the longest time, we were operating as a volunteer-only staff. Okay. So, you know, you're really depending on somebody to be there um, to accept the dogs in the morning, to release the dogs in the evening. And unfortunately, you know, volunteers have other things going on. And a lot of that uh, responsibility fell onto our founder. Okay. So um, I would say at this point, it's become a great meeting place. You know, people will bring, if they know someone is interested in the dog, they can bring them there. Um, we also, since we are not a shelter and we don't have a shelter facility just yet, give us time. Um, <laughs> We're <laughs> we're on our way. Um, there sometimes there is a dire need. Sometimes there is an animal that if we don't get them from the shelter within a certain period of time, they you know will not make it out. Sure. Um, sometimes we just get an absolute emergency from the community, and so we have a couple of animals that do actually or dogs that do actually stay at the adoption center. Okay. And you know what? It works. If if it's between being there or not being anywhere, you yeah. know, it works. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, you have an outline or write a guideline for what you what you want to do or what you want to see, right? But being flexible, I think, depending on the circumstances, right, or the situation, yeah. I think is is key. Yeah. You know, my comment, my my thought when you were talking about that was that it almost turned into like a doggy daycare, right? For what you were originally thinking, where people drop them off, they pick them up, they, mm -hmm. right? It almost kind of felt like a like a doggy daycare. And to your point, that requires a lot of commitment. Um, you know, from people in this case, you know, the owner. It um, does. So I, so I can see how you had to kind of pivot a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> from, from those initial plans, which is okay. Um, it is. 
but it seems like it's it's working out for you. So essentially, the foster home, um, you know, if they have a, an animal that's interested, right, or if they have if they have a if they have a person who's interested in the animal that they're fostering, then they just create a day and time to meet up, and then mm-hmm. they use your location as a central location. Then is that right? Yep, they can. Okay, they can. Yeah, there are meetings happening elsewhere, but yeah, ours is one of the main locations. Yeah. So you you mentioned the foster home. So let's spend just a few minutes talking about that. What does that program look like for you? Do, are the majority of your animals then in foster homes? How many do you have? Um, are you looking for more? Give us a little bit more information on your foster home program. The Okay. So number one, um, our fosters are what keep us running. I okay. really, until that day that we do have a shelter and it is, it's in the plans. Um, but until that day, we are... I would say maybe 70%, you know, foster based. Um, and what we've really, really tried to do, and most of the time we're we're on it, is not take in an animal if we don't have a solution for them. Okay. Um, because really that's where rescues get into trouble. Is you know, you it it's heartbreaking because sometimes you do have to say no. But if you say yes to everyone, eventually you can't help anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that makes sense, but that's a hard concept, right? Very. And yeah. I, I'm very grateful that I'm not the one that has to make that call because yeah. that it really is heartbreaking. Um, but we do, um, we rely on our fosters a great deal. I mean, we'll cover, you know, medical and food and things like that. Um, but the fosters are really their their bridge between the shelter or their past life and their new home. And I just to have that the emotional support, the the basic training. I mean, it's nothing crazy, but um, just to be in a home and you know some some dogs have been in the shelter for God knows how long, um, and this is really their first taste of a home environment. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely understand um, that comment, um, which I love. And it's a great way to look at, you know, your foster home program. So with 70% of them being foster based, you guys do both cats and dogs? Are you primarily dogs in foster homes? What does that percentage look like? So in foster homes, it is primarily dogs and kittens. Okay. Um, because most of the kittens that we get do require either bottle feeding or, you know, constant attention or regular attention um, that we just couldn't do in a, in a shelter environment. Um, plus, you know, we want them to have that home and that nurturing. And um, so we have a, I couldn't even give you numbers because we had such a crazy kitten explosion last year um, that I don't even know how many fosters we have. I, I, we have a ton and they are phenomenal. Um, and these kittens are so ridiculously cute. It's obscene. Um, I, I really, really, but, um, yeah, I, I think the, the biggest, uh, challenge that we have with the dog fosters is, is that we get a lot of big dogs. You know, one of the primary, uh, breeds in our shelters right now is, uh, pit bulls and they're big. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're big pups and um, some of them, whether, you know, Pipples or any of the other breeds that we have, some of them have, you know, some issues from being in the shelter. Okay. Um, you know, if you were locked up in a tiny little, right. tiny little run, you would too. 
Um, So they do require some extra attention. Um, They do take up more space than the little dogs. Um, And sometimes they don't get along with other animals and they they're wonderful pets. They just have to be an only pet. Sure. So it's difficult to find a foster that doesn't have other animals or that has mastered the um, rotation strategy. Sure. Of, you know, what what dog is is away in a room right now while the other one roams free and then switching <laughs> them out. And I, I the, you hear stories and it's just it's it's not funny, but it is because they've got everybody yeah. on a rotation. It's like, all right, whose time is it right now? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's challenging. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So it sounds like you do take animals from shelters. Do you guys also take owner surrenders? Do you work with other organizations or other shelters? How do you get the majority of your animals? Where are you saving them from? Um, A lot of our animals do come from the local shelter. We have a great relationship with them. Um, We really, for the most part at this point, we focus on the old animals, the sick animals, really like the broken ones. Okay. Um, So the shelter has a, a limit on how much they're able to provide medical attention. Um, you know, they've got their numbers and their rules that they have to follow. So when an animal does require more attention, um, they usually can't handle them. And, sure. you know, they'll reach out to the different rescues that they work with and say, hey, we've got this animal, you know, can you help? Um, so I would say we get most of our animals from the shelter. Um, there are a couple that come in through owner surrenders, but really we, we only focus if it's a major emergency. Okay. Um, the the people that are just like, oh, well, you know, I'm moving and I waited until the absolute last minute and, you know, you have to take my dog. Um, that, you know, we do advise them the other routes that they can go to, to responsibly rehome them. Um, and unfortunately, we've gotten a couple, and I don't know why I can think of these right now, but we've gotten a couple where their families have passed. Mm. And, you know, we've ended up taking them in that situation. So sure. it really just depends on our availability, our resources, our financial resources at the time. Um, and, you know, we help as many as we can without getting over our heads. Yeah, I you know, I like that you have a good relationship with the local shelter, right? Sometimes that's, you know, rescues and shelters are are pretty different and, you know, sometimes those partnerships um, you know, take a little bit of extra time um, you know, to groom. And so I love that in the relatively short time that you guys have been around, you have that that relationship built. I think that's really important for a lot of reasons. Um, and I love that you're kind of focused on taking the ones that they're struggling with, right? The older ones, the sick ones. Now, that being said, when it comes to the foster home, right, there's got to be some behavioral challenges. And so Mm -hmm. I don't know what that turnaround looks like for you, but I I can imagine more so the foster home being important for you guys based on the kind of dogs that you guys are saving from from the shelters. So I definitely, that excites me, right? To know that those animals aren't forgotten because those, honestly, those are the ones that get overlooked, right? Everybody wants mm-hmm. the cute puppy and the cute kitten. And so yep. I love that your focus is, is you know, with the older and the sick and, and I'm air quoting, right? But the broken yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I definitely love what you guys are doing there. I We've, I mean, 
it's it's amazing when you see you know sometimes you pull an animal from the shelter and they're depressed or aggressive or just shut down and we've seen this a couple of times where i mean they have lost the will to live and yeah. you take them out of the environment that environment and some of them within the car ride to our shelter or or to our rescue or to our foster homes their demeanor changes completely yeah and you know it's like they realize like oh okay i'm safe now like life is yeah. worth living again um and it's just it's it's beautiful and sometimes those those dogs would never have been picked up you know would never have been adopted from the shelter because how many people want to deal with that yeah like, yeah you definitely don't know until you get them out right mm -hmm. but the challenge is that when you're at a shelter and you're looking at all these animals you're basing your decision right and you're gravitated towards what you hear and see yes and so a lot of people aren't gonna take that chance right so i again i just love that what you guys are doing in your focus area for that is you know are those animals i think that's mm -hmm. incredible so normally i would ask at the end but i feel like now is a good time okay. in in those situations right and in your time in animal welfare i feel like you have a really good story that you can you can share with us you know you you mentioned that just getting them out in in the car ride can really be a game changer do you have a story that you want to share that maybe just kind of tugs at your heartstrings um i well i have the one that i use she is the example that i use as to what we do um i love it and then there's another one that I'll tell you afterwards, just because um, this one, uh, her story is not over yet. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, but so, okay, this was probably two or three years ago and somebody had dropped um, a dog in the night drop at one of the animal shelters out here. And that's where they usually put the animals that have already passed. Oh my. Yeah. And shelter staff wow. found her in the morning and they brought her in and um, she, they, when they brought her to the vet, they found out that her back legs were paralyzed. Oh no. Um, this is a little mini dachshund mix um, named Gemma. And um, you know, the, the shelter could not handle that. They did not think that the dog was gonna be able to be adopted. They didn't see, you know, the paralysis going away or anything. Um, so she was slated to, to be put down unless a rescue could assist. And one of her volunteers happened to be there that day and she saw her, fell in love with her. I'll give you the short version. Um, <laughs> brought her to our rescue. Um, one of our uh, core people is in a wheelchair. She's a quadriplegic. Okay. So her house is already set up for disabilities. Oh my. Okay. I can see where this is so going. <laughs> I like it. Um, so she became foster mom. And we got Gemma a little wheelchair so she could kind of run with her front legs and drag her back ones behind her. Sure. And um, then she got every kind of treatment you could imagine. Um, she had Western medicine, Eastern medicine. We've got a lady that does Reiki. She got massage and acupuncture. And I, I can't even tell you. Um, and she got loved around the clock. Sure. And she, uh, one day, um, the, our uh, core member, her name is Kelly, her mom called the dogs into the kitchen to get dinner. And Gemma hopped off the couch and ran into the kitchen. No <laughs> wheelchair involved. What? Yeah. 
No. Just, I, we don't know what was causing the paralysis, if it was stress or, you know, there had been some sort of disc or whatever it was. But um, she's fine. Wow. She, she got adopted. She's in a great home. Um, she's got a pool because she loves <sighs> to swim. Oh my I, it's, gosh. it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And it's just, wow. you know, a, a testament to what uh, treatment, but also to what love and to being out of a, a bad environment can do for an animal. Yeah. That's definitely um, true. I got goosebumps when you said yeah. that. It's like, wait, what? That's not the same dog we were just talking about. That's she's, crazy. She's adorable. She's my favorite example. Um, but we actually, and it, this is a much shorter story because this just happened, but um, there was a pit bull, a two-year-old pit bull found wandering the streets. She could barely walk. Um, she's 20 pounds. And wow. if you think about a two-year-old is pretty much a full-grown pit bull, 20 pounds. She's so emaciated. She was so um, starved, basically. And um, they brought her to the shelter uh, for safety, and we ended up taking her on. Um, her name is Rain, and she is the sweetest possible thing you could ever meet in your life. Um, she just got out of the vet. She was there for about a week. They were waiting for her to eat and poop on her own. Sure. Um, and she just went into a foster home. So she's already gained a pound or two. And things are looking up. Her organs had shut down because of the, sure. the starvation. But she's back up and moving. And the vet said now she needs food and sunshine and movement. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's pretty incredible. You know, one of the things that animals have the ability to do pretty quickly is forget about their past, yes. right? So no matter what happened to them, how they were treated, any, you know, physical or emotional pain that they have, it goes away very quickly with the right people and the right love. Um, and some basic, you know, I mean, food and water and sunshine and a yard, right? I mean, with yeah. just the simple things in life, they have the ability to, to love again and kind of just forget what happened to them. And that's one thing that I always we always kind of talk about is people, right? Humans need to be more like that, right? We tend mm -hmm. to hang on to things and, and you know, it, it's difficult. But I, I love that because that story for me reminds me of that, right? At yeah. Two years, you don't know how long she was roaming the streets for, what yeah. she'd went through. And yet, in a matter of a week, mm -hmm. right, she's already made that turnaround. Oh, yeah. Yep. Licking, loving, sleeping in yeah. your lap. She's, <laughs> she's amazing. I, uh, she's absolutely amazing. I got to meet her a couple of days ago. And, you know, you just, you're, you're standing there, just sitting there with her in your lap, just bawling because yeah. of everything this dog has been through. And I, so sweet. Yeah. So hopefully that has a really good ending where she puffs up nicely and gets adopted by a fantastic family who spoils her for the rest of time. <laughs> yeah, I love that. We'll keep our fingers crossed for her. Yeah. But as long as she can get into a foster home, right, that's always the first step. Yeah. So I think that's incredible. Those are two really great stories. Thanks for sharing with those. Sure. So another thing that I, I want to kind of talk about a little bit is, is what does Las Vegas look like from an animal welfare standpoint? Um, I myself have never been to Vegas. Um, mm -hmm. And so... I imagine it, right? From nope. I've got the movie perspective, right? What we see in movies, whether that's yes. true or not, it's yet yeah. to be seen. Right. Um, but tell us a little bit about what that looks like and, and how does that play into your organization? Um, so Vegas, what the idea that you have of Vegas is about three miles long. 
Okay. Um, that, that is honestly, that's what they show about Vegas is the strip. You know, okay. all of the hotels, the casinos, the nightlife, the glitz, right. the glamour, all that, all that right. stuff. Okay. Um, as soon as you step off the strip in either direction, you're looking at a normal, you know, nor, nor, normal urban slash suburban and in some places kind of rural community. Okay. Um, we're getting less rural as they keep building, but, um, sure. you know, we have, it's, it's like any other city, it's any other town, um, where you've got those same challenges and, there are a lot of homeless animals here. Hmm. Um, there, you know, some of it may be we've got uh, large differentiation between, you know, income levels and things like that. And I know there are some areas where they just can't afford to take care of their animals the way that we would like them to. Um, and we will, you know, step in whenever we can. There's a lot of organizations that offer spay and neuter and, um, uh, vaccination and food and things like that, um, to assist in those areas. Um, but yeah, we, we do, we see a lot of, uh, a lot of homeless animals, a lot of animals being brought to the shelter, a lot of puppies being born and kittens being born. Um, there's a a large, uh, several feral, uh, cat communities out here. Um, so yeah, we are, we are dealing with quite a bit of overpopulation. Um, and there's a lot of amazing groups in this town and amazing organizations that are stepping up and, and, you know, really working to, to, uh, to lower that, those numbers. Yeah, it's hard, right? Um, I mean, the feral cats and overpopulation, I feel like, is one thing. And that's always, for a lot of organizations, that is really a, a big challenge. Um, and the homeless animals, are those just people letting, like, if they can no longer care for their animals, is that just them releasing them? Is it, like, what do you mean by homeless animals? Um, I think some some do release. I Every once in a while, you know, we'll hear stories of people that are just dumping animals in the desert. And it's okay. like, there's, there, nothing will happen if you bring an animal to the shelter. Like, they're not going to yell at you. They're not going to charge you. You're not going to be tackled on your way out. Um, so I personally, and this is just my viewpoint, I don't understand why anybody would do that, you know, would put them somewhere other than a shelter. Like, that's the very least you can do is, is drop them at the shelter. Yeah. Um, but we do see that sometimes. And also, I think a lot of times, you know, these animals are disposable to some people. There's, there's a very different attitude. Um, and they'll, you know, if the dog gets out, oh, well, we'll get a new one. Hmm. That's interesting. Interesting in a bad way, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... They are still seen as property, it seems like. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Yeah, I, that's a hard problem, right, to fix. Um, I feel like the only way you can do that is is through the educational piece of that. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have a humane education program, and and how does that how does that work for you? Do you, is that something you guys talk about? Do people ask you about that? We do. So we actually focus on kids whenever possible. Um, you know, they really are our future and all those, you know, things that people, people say, um, 
but you know, our organization was started because of a kid. They have the ability to change the world now and as they get older. Um, and we'll go into schools, we'll go into, you know, church organizations or religious organizations, um, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. We have a lot of um, uh, Boy Scout and Girl Scout projects that come through and want to help us. Um, but we'll go in and we'll talk to them about, um, you know, one, responsible pet parenting and what it really means to, to own a pet. And I always find this hilarious. Whenever I go into a school, I say, what do you need to do with an animal? Like, what, may, what do you have to do as a pet owner? And everybody says, bathe them. Hmm. That's I, the number one answer. Oh, you got to give them a bath. Interesting. Like, we must have the cleanest, non-spayed or neutered, <laughs> non-microchip, non-vaccinated dogs on the planet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um. But, you know, really, they just, they need to learn that responsibility. And I've had conversations where, you know, the kid will say, well, you know, we had this dog for a while, but then my dad decided they weren't cute anymore. So he got rid of them and we got another one. Oh. And you're just like, oh, like, okay, if you could just take that knife out of my chest, that'd be great. Um, I mean, and the, and the kids are saying yes, that, huh? Yes. I Oof. mean, it's, it's going down that far. Um, so we try to educate them and, you know, let them go home and have those conversations about the importance of span neuter and, uh, you know, keeping them medically up to date and all of those things. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, you know, let them have those conversations and, and start that. And then also um, empathy. I, sure. it's, it's not something that we talk about very often, but, you know, usually the way you treat an animal is the way you treat other people as well. That's a great one. And that's one that honestly, I, I haven't heard, um, but that's super simple, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes we overthink, I'm a huge yeah. overthinker myself. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> um, bringing it back to basics, right, mm -hmm. is, is probably key. Um, yes. So that's a great one to teach the kids. I, yeah. I do agree in that it's kind of worrisome, right, that the kids that you're trying to teach, that that comes out of their mouth, right? That yeah. they're picking, either their parents have said it or they're just picking it up on their own. It takes a lot to undo that thought process, right, even at a young age. Yep. So yeah. it sounds like you guys have your hands full um, in do. that regard. <laughs> We're yeah. a little busy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Although, you know, it only takes one good story to kind yeah. of get you back on track, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that balance of horrible things are happening, yes. but there's so much good coming together to combat that. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, that is what saves you, right? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. So I love that you guys are incorporating the humane education with specifically the kids. And, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, when you have adoptions taking place. You're also having those conversations um, with the adopters as well. And, you know, we kind of mentioned before we started recording, right, that you could you would literally record the same conversation yes. <laughs> and just hit repeat, right? Yes. Just keep hitting repeat with every person. And so, you know, I think that is the only way, unfortunately, to, to kind of spread the message, right, is to mm -hmm. keep telling the same story, right? This, share those experiences over and over and over again. And, and you hope that um, you know, people just keep sharing that that same mm -hmm. story going forward to reach more people. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. So um, 
I also want to talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned the self-sustaining and the and the shop, right, and the pet mm-hmm. supply store. Now, one of the things that organizations do do is fundraising. Do you guys yeah. still do fundraising? And do you have any upcoming plans or events uh, that you want people to know about? Um, oh, goodness, yes, with fundraising. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? We are... Um, we are set up to become self-sustaining. We are not right now. Okay. Um, at the moment, our medical bills, you know, because that is one of the main populations that we work with, our medical bills are between t- ten and $12,000 a month. Wow. Okay. And that's likely to go up this year. Um, we have been, um, Christy always describes this as like the Obama campaign where <laughs> like this grassroots, you know, We've survived this many years on ten, twenty, fifty dollar donations from the community, right? Um, and people have been amazing. Um, we've been very lucky in the last couple of months. Um, the uh, it's called Med- Maddie's Pet Project in Nevada, and a grant from the Dave and Cheryl Duffield Foundation. Um, they have come in to really focus on uh, Nevada. Okay. And we've received funds from them. A bunch of other rescues and organizations have received um, not just funds, but also educational opportunities. Um, so, you know, uh, actually this this past week, uh, Christy and I attended a fundraising seminar, you know, teaching us how to improve our fundraising outreach and, and donors and things like that. Um, so those grants have been very, very helpful. Um, we've also worked with uh, Best Friends Animal Sanctuary. We're a, a partner. Okay. And they give us a stipend per kitten. Because, oh. I mean, as I mentioned, like, I think I said six, over 600 kittens last year. Yeah, that's um, crazy. And, you know, it sounds a lot cuter than it is. Um, no, <laughs> no, it really is adorable. Um, <laughs> But um, they all cost money. You know, you have to vet them. Uh, Even the ones that don't have medical issues um, still need to be uh, microchipped and and, um, spayed and neutered and vaccinated and all of those things. So you've got those costs coming in. And then, I mean, once you throw a medical issue in, you know, it skyrockets. So they've assisted us as well. Um, But yeah, we are primarily funded uh, by the community amazing amazing donors that'll you know reach out and help us uh especially when when there's a specific animal that needs that needs that assistance um we've got great you know uh vets vet clinics that we work with like legacy animal hospital and bonanza cat hospital have been just phenomenal giving us discounts and and working with us and We've got a spay and neuter center of Southern Nevada that, you know, gives us amazing prices. So we've got that assistance, um, but uh, fundraising, financial support is always, I think, in any organization going to be the biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, Yeah, definitely. So do you have, do you fundraise or do you have any events that happen throughout the year um, that you do to engage the community and, and help with, you know, larger, larger funding for you guys? Or is it all just, you know, day to day and and individual contributions? We do have events throughout the year, we'll usually have a couple of smaller ones. Um, and sometimes a company will come in and say, you know, we're going to throw an event for you, which we love, please. That's awesome. Please, companies, please come in. Yeah, um, that's awesome. 
but we also uh, for the past oh what are we on five years now or four four years um we have run family fur and fun which is a humongous uh festival event uh we usually see between four and seven thousand people wow and that is our biggest fundraising event of the year um okay. we you know that that does bring in a nice amount of money and then it also allows us to work with other rescues um so it is a big adoption event as well so we'll usually okay. bring in you know five or six other rescues they'll they'll come with animals and we're able to share the proceeds from that with those those organizations that attend um which is good uh you know we like to we like to work with as many rescues and shelters and as many groups as we can because it just helps the animals. Yeah, which is the ultimate goal, right? Yep. And I love that again, I think the partnerships that you're that you're building I think are awesome and the fact that you're willing to work with other rescues as well, which sometimes doesn't happen, right, in uh -huh. in communities. So <laughs> Um, yeah, I like uh, I like that you guys are, are doing that and not only working with them, right, to save more animals, but sharing the proceeds, which, again, is something you don't often see um, in communities within animal rescue. Yeah. And when does that event normally take place for you guys? It's in the fall. So this okay. year will be October 12th. And um, it's out at uh, Mountain's Edge uh, Community. So master plan community out here and they they host it for us every year they, they've been phenomenal um, and it's just a fun day it's you know entertainment um, vendors education um, uh, we do a pet costume contest which uh, you know the day after the event people are already planning their pets costume for the next year <laughs> it's that big it's it's crazy I love that, it's right? You, you talk about community engagement, and yes. I don't think you can get more engaged than <laughs> no. that. So that's pretty That's no. pretty awesome. And yeah. so when you get closer to the event then, Cheryl, do you guys post that on your website? Is that Facebook? Where, where can people find event information for you guys? So definitely our website is uh, havlv.com, which stands for Hearts Alive Village Las Vegas. Um, also, same on Facebook, Instagram, uh, we're some, some variety, it's uh, HAVLV on Facebook, and I think it's like Hearts Alive Animal Rescue on Instagram, um, okay. but I'm not positive on that one. And uh, yeah, we post everything all over the place, and then uh, Mountain's Edge actually throws quite a bit of marketing support behind us for Family Fur and Fun, um, so that's usually in the newspaper, it's on TV. Um, but we always encourage people to follow us on Facebook, sign up for our mailing list, and we will let you know as soon as we know what's going on. Yeah, that's awesome. So I know we're getting close to wrapping up here, um, but I want to I want to just see if there's anything else going on with your organization for for the future. Are you guys working on anything um, that you want to tell people about? We are. Um, we actually got this really. Uh, a bittersweet surprise, I would say. Um, we had an angel donor, uh, somebody who has been following our rescue and passed away and left us uh, a nice chunk of money. Sure. Um, and we figured that the best way to honor her and to honor her, you know, her support and her memory was to create a senior adoption center. 
Oh my. Um, because, you know, again, the, the older animals are often overlooked, but even as you said, people want the yeah. cute little puppies and kittens and they don't, you know, well, I don't want to have to worry about them having medical issues and all that, which yeah. if you've ever owned an animal, you know, is a joke expecting yeah. that to not happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so um, we are opening, um, it's called Oldies But Goodies. Cute. And this is going to be um, the Senior Adoption Center. We'll have a section for cats and a section for dogs. Um, but it's also, as I said, you know, we always have that element of sustainability in there because uh, these things require employees. You know, yeah. we need that, um, that regular, um, uh, we can rely on, on someone being there. We need that kind of support. So... It's also going to be an upscale thrift store. Okay. Um, we have a regular thrift store right now, which is doing great and bringing in money for the rescue. Um, but this is really going to be like the the nice stuff that you're still going to get a great deal on, but it's it's high quality and you can't find it anywhere else. And um, yeah, so Oldies But Goodies is the first project coming up. And that's actually... Um, Phase two in an eight-phase plan that Christy oh, wow. has laid out for, yeah, or six phases, excuse me, um, over the next eight years. Um, so we wow. will, we're right on schedule. That should open next month. Oh, cool. And um, we've got a lot coming up in the future. Uh, it's funny you mentioned doggy daycare because that's going to be one of our <laughs> one of our projects is is doggy daycare. So nice. See, yeah. I can see into the future. Yes, it is a gift. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So there's yeah. definitely some big things coming for you guys. Um, and do you share that information on your website? Is that still a work in progress? We don't have the full plan put on the website um, because, you know, as I, things change as we go, things do and change. So all of those phases are not there. But as we are, you know, um, embarking into each phase or on each phase, um, that that does get informed. And a awesome. big part of that is the community support that we get. I, You know, we have contractors that came in and um, you know, lent their time uh, to to help make this space right. We've got, um, I think Home Depot is coming in and they're going to be painting for us and things like that. So um, we do, we get a lot of support from the community, which we're so grateful for because we couldn't do this without that. They're what make our rescue work. They are part of the village. Yeah, I definitely love that. There's a picture on your website that has, oh, I don't know, it seems like 40 people um, in <laughs> yes. it. And so everybody's so happy with animals yeah. and smiling. And so it definitely looks like you guys have a village for sure. And I'm sure that's just yeah. a small portion of of the people that support you. So I definitely, I love everything about that. I love that you guys you. have, a, you know, a six to eight year plan, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously things change, but mm -hmm. I think it's exciting for people to know what what's possible and what's coming. And, you know, by them continuing to support you, obviously more and more will be possible. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We're looking forward to the future and to getting more people involved and on board with the mission because I, Vegas needs it, the the country needs it, and we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely love that. So as we get ready to wrap things up here, we've talked about quite a quite a bit today. Is there anything else that we may have missed that you want to share? Um, you know, I just I always like to do a call for assistance, and whether it's with our organization or you know if you're if you're not local to Vegas, um, 
a lot of times people feel like if they you know they're too sensitive around animals so they can't help you know oh i just i can't it hurts too much to be around or i don't have the money to donate or whatever that whatever the reason behind not getting involved is um there's always a way you can help there is always something you can do if you're too sensitive to be around the animals ask if there is admin work that needs to be done if you don't have the money to donate start a donation start a supply drive you know um become become a, a an outreach uh that's not english but whatever um be, you know become an outreach arm of the organization whatever one you choose to support and there's always something you can do and it will literally change your life when you get involved yeah. for the better <laughs> yeah stop finding a way to not get involved and yeah. find a way to get involved right i love it yeah yeah I do. And that's very truthful. So I hope those that are that are out there can can relate to that and and get involved in some small way, right? Because no matter how big or how small, it all makes a difference. Yep, it does. Yep. Especially but, for the animals, you know, even just a quick walk changes their future. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a great way to wrap this up, Cheryl. I definitely appreciate you coming on the on the call. And I'm super excited that I had a chance to connect with you. And uh, thank you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you're not already a member, join the ARPA to take advantage of all the resources we have to offer. And don't forget to sign up with dobert.com. It's free and helps automate the most difficult tasks in animal rescue.